I want to speak tonight upon a subject I have entitled God's Ultimatum for These Last Days. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. God, who in sundry times and in divers' manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things, by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. In times past, God spake to the fathers by the prophet. The revelation of God was peace me. It was by way of symbol, by way of type, by way of vision, and by way of a very miraculous intervention in Old Testament times, appearances. But this verse of Scripture tells me that God has spoken a final word, that the day for piecemeal revelation is over. That God has spoken finally and ultimately and conclusively in Jesus Christ. God's final word to man is Jesus Christ. God's ultimatum for these last days is the person of his only begotten. And well, beloved son, hence, when the transitional period from the law to grace was concluded, there is no further need for any more attesting visions or new revelations or miraculous signs. The Holy Bible is complete. The last word has been spoken. God has nothing more to say to man but Jesus Christ. Therefore it is my business to preach Jesus Christ. And the gospel preacher has no other subject to discourse upon. No other object to which he must point his finger. No other doctrine to expound, no other theology to explain, but the person and the work of Jesus Christ. If you study the New Testament, you will find that this was the great task of the early preachers. Dearly in the temple and in every house, they cease not to preach and to teach Jesus Christ.
Philip the evangelist went down to Samaria for an evangelistic campaign. And it says he preached Christ unto them. He didn't preach the church or the ordinances. He preached Christ unto them. And then when the Spirit of God called him from his great revival campaign in Samaria to intervene on behalf of the Ethiopian eunuch, it says when he went up into the chariot, he straightway preached unto him Jesus. And you will remember when Paul was converted that in Damascus straightway he preached Christ in the synagogue. So the great objective of the gospel ministry is to uplift the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a subject worthy of discoursing upon. This was the subject that the apostles preached. They preached Christ. And the flame of gospel truth ran along the ground and spanned two continents in about twenty years of preaching and established the Christian church and down came the temples of idolatry and up went the meeting places of the people of God. This was the burden of the preaching of the martyrs. It was a burden of the preaching of the confessors and the reformers and the great evangelical awakeners that God sent to his church. Why must I preach Jesus Christ? Because Jesus Christ is a person that man and woman need. I know they don't want him. I know it is as true today as it was 1900 years ago that there was no room for him in the end. And yet although people do not want the Savior, I must press his claims upon them. For by the power of the Spirit of God, the hardened heart can be softened. The flinty heart of stone can be turned into a heart of flesh. And the man that came to the service and the woman that came to the service tonight with no intention of coming to Christ, thank God this can be the night when that man and that woman can be born again of the mighty Spirit of God. When Jesus Christ is preached, the Spirit of God blesses the uplifting of the Savior. There is no subject that will be blessed of God more than uplifting the Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ is uplifted, the saints of God are made glad. My friend, we as people of God, saved by the Lord, we are weak, we are erring, we are sinful, we have our gross defects, and we know it. But when the preacher starts talking about Jesus, by our burdens are lifted. The rugged road is made smooth, and the crooked pathway is made straight, and hallelujah all the day long. It is Jesus. Nothing blesses the saints of God more than the preaching of Christ. Christ the Savior. Christ 
the only Savior. Christ, the wonderful Savior. Christ, the powerful Savior. Christ, the eternal Savior. May God help this preacher to preach him tonight. I want to ask three simple questions this evening. And they are answered for us in the epistle to the Hebrews. Who is he? This Savior, who is he? What has he done? Where is he not? Very simple. But they're all answered for. Look at it. Open your Bible. Look at it. Who is he? God's Son. Whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he be of the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory, and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. Have a look at those lines. They talk about his sonship. They talk about his heirship. He is the heir of all things. They talk about his workmanship. My, there's no workmanship like the workmanship of Jesus. He created all things, by whom also he made the world. There is his workmanship. Then you have his relationship. What is it? He's the brightness of the Father's glory and the express image of his person. And then you have his authorship. My people boast of the power of their books, but here's a word from God. He upholdeth all things by the word of his power. Let me ask her to answer the first question. Who is he? His sonship. He is God's son. I can't explain that. No one can explain DNA is not for explanation. It is for worship. I'm not called upon to expound the intricate relationship between God the Father and God the Son. That baffles the human mind. For the human mind is finite. And God is infinite. The human mind is impotent. God is omnipotent. We can't explain that. But I know something. What do I know? I know that my Savior is God's Son. He's God's Son. And I needn't worry about the future of my soul when God's Son has taken over. I have just placed my eternity in the hands of God's Son. And praise God, I haven't the least bit of fear that all will be well. God's Son will be able to look after me now, tomorrow, and forevermore. Maybe there's some sinner here, and you're saying, Preacher, you don't know my sinful habits. You don't know the sort of life I've lived. You don't know the... Terrible temptations that dog my footsteps and the black chains of habit that I have forged through evil living around my feet. No, I don't know. I don't understand. I'll admit that. But I want to tell you 
that Jesus knows. And Jesus is God's Son. And my dear sinner friend, put your case in the hands of Jesus and he'll bring you safely through. I thank God for a day in my experience when as a boy, recognizing I was a lost, guilty, hell-deserving sinner, I put my case into the nail-pierced hands of Jesus. He's able to do it. That's his sonship, but there's something else here. Look at his heirship. He is the heir of all things. I love that. He's the heir of all things. Well, if the Lord's the heir of all things, he can look after every little petty thing that you're worried about. You know, when a man comes under conviction of sin, the devil tries in every way possible to keep that man from coming to Christ. We'll say to him, try the church, try baptism, try the Lord's Supper, try Bible reading, try praying. And if the devil can get you to put Bible reading, praying, baptism, the Lord's Supper, churchianity, Christian service before Jesus, the devil will be quite happy. He'll have won the battle. But my friend, let me tell you this, that Jesus Christ is the heir of all things. So there's not a thing that I need to worry about that Jesus is not the heir to. Isn't that a wonderful thought? He's the heir to my troubles. So we look after them. So when I'm in trouble, I'll just take it to the Lord in prayer. Let me tell you this, friend. When I went to prison in 66, I learned something. I'm glad I went to prison. But I learned that that hymn that I sang from a boy was really true. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Yes, my dear woman, you can say hallelujah. And you can say it again and again. Let me tell you this, friend, Jesus is the heir of all things. He look after the, the law. Oh, sinner, will you not go with this man? Will you not go with Jesus tonight? Oh, that I could introduce you to my Savior and my Lord. Oh, that I could take your hand, my feeble, tempted, tried brother and sister, and put it in to the blessed, nail-pierced hand of my Savior. Oh, that you would know him. Oh, that his love might thrill your heart as it thrills my inmost soul as I speak these words to you tonight. He's the heir of all things. His sonship, his heirship. Have another look at it. By whom also he made the world, there's his workmanship. Oh, there's no workmanship like the workmanship of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has made my friend such scenery that the greatest artist with his brush and paints can never capture. Who could lay those lakes among the mountains and reflect the blue of the sky? that he put above them. 
who could set those galaxies of stars in the Milky Way and set them all in their courses and cause the heavens and the universe to revolve upon its axis. Who could do it but my Savior? I can trust Him with my soul. I'll let you into a secret. I don't like to fly. That's one place I'm not happy in an aeroplane. But I have to fly. I always pray to be down and out, you know that. But you know, when I get aboard an aeroplane, I always say, well, surely I can trust the Lord. I've trusted my soul to him, and what about this flight? And if he doesn't want me to get across the Atlantic, hallelujah, I'll go higher, I'll go to heaven. So it doesn't matter. You know the only thing that worries me about dying? Leaving my loved ones behind. If I had nobody I cared for on earth, I would be happy to go any time. But we look on our loved ones and we say, how could they do without us? but they would be able to do because the Lord would look after them. The Lord doesn't let anybody down, you know. But he made all things, everything. He made it all. And man works for years and spends his millions and trillions of dollars and makes a little spaceship and they sit in it as tight as they can and they blow themselves up to the moon and down again and they think that they've done a wonderful thing. And God has been breaking the sound barrier for all eternity. And God has been throwing stars from his mighty fist out into the heavens. And their stars your eye has never seen, for their light has never yet penetrated to this earth. Millions and millions of them. And Jesus made them all. And praise God he can look after you, sinner, if you'll trust him. You just put your case in his hands. He created the world. Notice the word. It doesn't say the world. That's our puny little planet. He created the world. And the word in the Hebrew, in the Greek text, is ages. That takes us away into the past eternity that we don't know anything about. That carries us forward to eternity still to come. And all that ever shall be, and all that ever was, and all that's ever yet to be, Jesus made it all. You can trust him tonight. You can trust him. You can be absolutely confident if you put your trust in Jesus. He'll save you for all eternity. He's a wonderful Savior. I'm glad that you saved me tonight. I'm glad I'm seeing. There's something more. There is his relationship. Look at that verse. What does it say? It says he's the brightness of his glory. What does that mean? That means he's the climax, the zenith, the meridian of God's glory. You can't get anything better than that. You can't improve on it. There is nothing of glory in God that's not seen in its fullness in Jesus Christ. He's the brightness, the brightness of the Father's glory. Shade your eyes tonight. You can't look on him. He's too wonderful for human lips to describe. His eyes are so tender. His lips are so pure. His voice is so sweet. His touch 
Let me tell you, friend, when Jesus touches you, you know he's the exceeding brightness of glory when he touches you. I've seen him touch men in my ministry. Men that were down in their uppers. Men that were the plaything of the devil. Men that had lost hope. Men that had lost courage. Remember a man coming to me had just come out of prison. And he said to me, I'd like to get a start at work, but I'm not going to get saved. says, I have nothing to say to you. There's nothing for you but to come to Christ. A week afterwards, he rung me up. He said, I'm finished. He said, I'll take Christ now. There's nothing left for me either to go to hell or take Jesus. And he got saved. And he got a job. And he worked. He was a bankrupt. He discharged every bankruptcy claim. He bought his own home. He's in his own business today. He's a prosperous man. You know what happened to him? Jesus came into his life. And when Jesus took over, all was changed. When Jesus comes, the tempter's power is broken. Jesus breaks the power of canceled sin. He's telling you tonight, sinner, the old rascal that the devil is, that you couldn't keep it, that you'll be back in the world tomorrow. Don't believe him. Jesus can keep those that he sees. Keep me the exceeding brightness of his glory. He's the express image of his person. John Owen wrote seven volumes in Hebrews. And he says this portion of Scripture reminds him of the holiest of all. In the holiest of all, there was the Shekinah glory. Jesus is the brightness of his Father's glory. But in the Shekinah, when the priests came in, he had graven on his forehead a plate, and on it was holiness unto the Lord. And that's what Jesus is. He's the express image of his holy Father. Everything about Jesus is holy. His birth was holy. That holy thing that shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of the Highest, said to Mary. His life was holy. He was holy, harmless, undefiled, separated from sinners. His death was holy. Two thieves, vagabonds, criminals, hell-bent sinners, and the holiness of a sacrifice won one of them to Jesus Christ. And praise God, his resurrection was holy. He was brought again from the dead by the spirit of holiness, says the Apostle Paul. He's the express image of the Father's person. Do you want to see the Father? Look in Jesus. And then you have his authorship. What an authorship. He upholdeth all things by his word. He keeps them all together. By Christ all things consist. This world hangs on the hand of Jesus. He's got the whole wide world in his hand. He can look after you. Of you to fear. When he holds the worlds, he can look after you. When he holds eternity, he can look after you. Will you trust him? Who is he? We've had a look at his sonship. We've had a look at his heirship. We've had a look at his workmanship. We've had a look at his relationship. We've had a look at his authorship. Now, but let me ask a second. 
What has he done? Oh, isn't this wonderful? When he had by himself purged our sins, he came to do the biggest job that it was possible for anyone to do to deal with sin. There's not a power in this universe can deal with sin. Let me tell you, friend, tonight, Jesus can deal with sin. He can stop it. He purged our sin on yonder cross with thorny chaplet in his brow, with blood pouring down his face, with black lacerated, with hands nailed to the cross, with feet spiked to the tree. My Savior paid the price of our redemption and by himself purged our sins. The purging away of sin once and for all. Listen. By himself. He did it alone. There was none to help. When I was in Rome, I stayed in the square of the great church, the greatest church in the world ever dedicated to Mary. And outside that church, there was a huge cross. And on that cross, on one side, they have Christ hanging. And on the other side, they have Mary hanging. What utter blasphemy. He himself purged our sin. No one to help him. He did it all alone. Why? Because he loved you. Friend, Jesus loves you tonight. I want you to get this. If nothing else gets home to your heart in God's name, get this. Get your hand on it, struggling sinner, out there in the tempest and sea of life, sin. Get this. Jesus loves you. Loved you so much that he went to the tree. Was it for me? He wept and prayed. My load of sin upon him laid that night within Gethsemane. Was it for me, that agony? Was it for me, he bowed his head upon the cross and freely shed that precious blood, that crimson tide? Was it for me, my Savior died? It was for me, yes, all for me, O love of God. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. That's the way you're seeing. You just come. Helpless. Hopeless. Lost. Undone. Useless. And you say, Lord Jesus, see of me, I perish. Whosoever, that means me, shall call in the name of the Lord. A child can cry. Shall be saved. That's as certain as it can be. It's the word of God. Will you not receive my Savior? Will you not go home with the best Christmas gift you ever got, the gift of Jesus in your heart? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good.